you know, I think of Charles Shinnick, who I also spoke about in the uh, last section. You know, he was severely persecuted also. Now, he wasn't martyred. He wasn't burnt at the stake, but uh, he was severely persecuted. By his own account, he said there were over 30 public attempts on his life because of his stand. Oh, yes. So, so much for Christian unity. But that man, uh, an amazing revival took place uh, in his church. Keep in mind, he was a Roman Catholic priest for 25 years. So this was a Catholic church. But the beautiful thing is that his church, I think it was just over a thousand people, they all turned to Christ. And it was all because of the precious word of God that was preached to those people. Isn't that awesome? So I want you to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that the doctrines of Rome, they are still the same today as they were back then in the time of the Reformation, in the time of this man, Shinnecke, who uh, died in 1899. Same thing, same teachings, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, that's why I'm going into these uh, particular people who joined with Rome, who worked with Rome. It's important that you know uh, these things, folks. So uh, let's start here. Billy Graham is the first one I'm going to uh, look at here. And this man, Billy Graham, he went from calling the Roman Catholic Church one of the three gravest menaces faced by Christianity, he said that in 1948, to use in Roman Catholics as counselors and altar workers at his crusades. Now, the other two menaces uh, were uh, communism and Mohammedanism. Uh, those were the other ones, you know, the three gravest menaces. So Billy Graham, he's basically a perfect example of how a person can be seduced by the doctrines of devils that the Apostle Paul warned us about in 1 Timothy 4, 1. The PBS series God in America spoke about Billy Graham also. It says the newspaper magnate William Randolph Hearst, Hearst was a Roman Catholic, instructed his editors to puff Graham by covering his crusade favorably and often. Graham made banner headlines and soon landed on the cover of Time magazine. The popularity of his Los Angeles crusade and the positive media treatment propelled him into the American mainstream. So once again, it's from God in America, a PBS uh, document there. So we see when a person gets into the mainstream, you know, folks, anything can happen. So... Uh, that's what took place. Uh, let me quote now from a book called The Legacy of Billy Graham, subtitled The Accommodation of Truth to Error in the Evangelical Church. So uh, this was written by a man by the uh, name of Brad K. Giselle. Okay, So he said, Protestant Church Life, published by the Protestant Council of New York, which sponsored Graham's New York Crusade, carried the following words in its September 29, 1956 edition. Dr. Graham said, We're coming to New York, not to clean it up, but to get people to dedicate themselves to God and then send them back to their own churches, Catholics, Protestant, or Jewish. The San Francisco News of November 11, 1957, carried a similar report. Anyone who makes 
a decision at our meetings is seen later and referred to a local clergyman, Protestant, Catholic, or Jewish. Now think about that. So here, you know, you have these crusade meetings. And, and so if a Roman Catholic uh, were to go and, you know, go up to the front to the altar call. So let's say a person's a Roman Catholic. They respond to the altar call. They are going to be sent right back to the Catholic Church that they might put down on their card. If it's a Jewish man, let's say his guy named Irving or something, and, and he responds to the altar call, you know, he wants to receive Christ. They're going to take that man and send him back to his Jewish synagogue. Uh, do you see, folks, that we, we have a problem here? <laughs> you, you know, when people get saved, you, you, you minister to them. You know, if, if I'm a Roman Catholic, I need the, I need the gospel. I, I don't want to be sent back to my Catholic church. So, you know, in my case, when I was born again, <laughs> when I was born again, folks, I, I left the Catholic church. And, and keep in mind, you know, Jesus told his followers that, they, that they'd be thrown out of the synagogues. And, and here, the Graham organization, they are sending them back. Keep in mind that uh, Billy Graham, he's not alive anymore. So this was uh, happening back in 1956. He, he was in his late 30s, by the way, during this time. So let me quote some more from that book. It says, the inclusion of Catholics by Graham, which is by far the most prevalent among non-Protestant groups has led to alarming attempts of uniting Catholicism and Protestantism. We are told that to work separately is a luxury we can no longer afford since anti-Christian forces are gaining power in the world. Before Billy Graham, the much reported evangelicals and Catholics together, the Christian mission in the third millennium would have been clearly rejected by Christians everywhere. This document, engineered by Roman Catholic and new evangelical leaders in the Graham orbit, even calls on Catholics and evangelicals not to proselytize each other. What is this to mean to Bible-believing missionaries who have given their lives to the proclamation of the gospel to those who are bound by the traditions of Rome in other countries? The historic and vital differences are being obscured. Another effort is Promise Keepers, which has chosen breaking down the walls as its 1996 theme. It is clearly stated by its leaders that Roman Catholicism is to be accepted as a bona fide Christian church. Graham has given his glowing endorsement of promise keepers. So once again, that's from the book, The Legacy of Billy Graham, The Accommodation of Truth to Error in the Evangelical Church. That's by Brad K. Giselle. So very interesting, folks, when, when you hear things like this. So let's look at an example now of what takes place in the Graham organization. In fact, this still goes on today. This is from a book, Billy Graham in Rome, by David Cloud. It says, the Billy Graham Organizational Committee preparing for the November 2004 crusade in Los Angeles, California, promised the Roman Catholic Archdiocese that Catholics will not be proselytized. A letter from Cardinal Roger Mahoney dated October 6, 2004 and posted at the Archdiocese website stated, when the crusade was held in other lo locations, many Catholics responded to Dr. Graham's message and came forward for Christ. 
Crusade officials expect the same for the Los Angeles area. These officials have assured me that, in keeping with Dr. Graham's belief and policy, there will be no proselytizing and that anyone identifying him or herself as Catholic will be referred to us for reintegration into the life of the Catholic Church. We must be ready to welcome them. So, you know, that, that's incredible stuff when you uh, look at it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, what did Jesus say? You know, in fact, he said this after he rose from the dead. It says here in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now think about that. That's right from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. So no man on this earth has the uh, power to tell another man, another Christian, that they should not proselytize. Don't preach here. Don't do this. Don't do that. that that's absurd. And, and clearly it's demonic, okay? You know, and, and that, this is the way it works in, in, in the uh, Billy Graham organization. Okay, listen to this. As a fairly new Christian, I, that's me, worked as a counselor along with my wife Kathy at the Billy Graham Crusade meeting in Central Park in 1991. That's in New York City. We had to undergo the regular sessions because we trained as counselors. We were participating in this uh, crusade that was going to take place. So we went to a church in Long Island City. Uh, that's in Queens. And we trained. I think it was three separate weekends or something, or weekdays or something like that. And um, we trained to be counselors. And, and you know, when, when the rally came, the crusade, you know, Kathy, you know, what we would do, if somebody raised a hand, we'd go over there and, and give them a card to fill out, a decision card, I believe is what they call it. And uh, the lady filled out the card. She was a Roman Catholic. And, and that's right what's going to happen is they're going to send that woman right back to the church. Now, we should have known better, folks. In fact, you know, there was a Baptist pastor in Queens who warned us. We were handing out leaflets for this rally in 1991 in Central Park. And he was telling us, you know, Billy Graham, and he told us some things. And we, we heard some things. But you know what we did? We bought into the lingo. You know, we're just, we're just here to win souls and so on and so forth. We want to see people get saved. So... Uh, keep in mind, now, we were handing out Bible tracts. I believe we probably handed them out also uh, as we were doing this. But, you know, we, it's easy to buy into that lie. But when this happened with the decision card, uh, you know, my wife, Kathy, we both agreed later for this, we cannot participate in anything like this. This is definitely not the work of the Holy Ghost. To send somebody back to a Catholic church is absolutely uh, demonic folks and that that would apply even if, it, if it's a jewish person being sent back to a synagogue my oh my you preach the word you want to bring people to the truth and you're going to send them back to a system who rejects christ as the messiah they don't believe he's the son of god they don't believe he's the messiah they don't believe in the deity of christ my oh my so it, it's it's unbelievable actually here's another quote here it says here this is from a book, Smoke Screens by uh, Chick Publications. It says, a few years ago, five pastors from Mexico came to see me asking for help. They told me I must talk to Billy Graham. I told them that was impossible. I was just a little track publisher. Then they told me Billy Graham had destroyed their churches. 
They said he held a crusade and told all those who would receive Christ to go back to their original churches and win those people to Christ. The pastors told me their people followed Billy's instruction and all went back to the Roman Catholic system. Twelve years of work destroyed in one night. Now, folks, that is incredible stuff. Here, these pastors, they're working, they're, 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 they want to see people saved. And in 12 years, they're working, you know, along comes this crusade, and the very people that they're ministering to are being sent back to the Roman Catholic Church, and they obeyed Billy Graham instead of obeying the Word of God. This is what we're dealing with, folks. And uh, let me tell you something. You can bring this up to pastors and hear me now. They will defend Billy Graham before they defend the Word of God. Oh, yes, they will. This is the day we are living in. So the, the leaven, folks, of the false gospel of Rome, it has made great inroads. You know, there's a book that was written by... Uh, uh, Dr. Kathy Burns called Billy Graham and his friends. Here's a quote from that book. It said, the original Haley's, this is talking about Haley's or Halley's Bible Handbook, okay? Um, the original Haley's up until the 22nd edition, 1959, warned about the Jesuits. There are chapters about the Roman papacy and the Jesuits. According to Mrs. Halley, Mr. Halley spent years working on those chapters and never would have permitted the book to be changed. However, when he died, Billy Graham bought the rights and removed all the research and warning about the Jesuits in the editions Billy Graham printed. So once again, that's from Billy Graham and his friends, A Hidden Agenda? Question mark by Dr. Kathy Burns. You'll find that in page 440. So folks, we're dealing with a system... Uh, an evil political religious machine when we're dealing with the Roman Catholic Church because those uh, those words you know there, there were many pages in the back of uh, the the book Halley's Bible hand, handbook uh, in the Crusade edition which I bought a copy of just to make sure that that this was true they, they're all gone they're not there so the question is why would you take all of those warnings about Rome out of the Crusade edition? Well, the answer is quite obvious because Billy Graham is working with the Catholic Church. He's using the Roman Catholics as counselors and altar workers. So if they're, they're going to be giving this handbook out, uh, talking about the evil Church of Rome, it wouldn't gel too good. You see what I'm talking about, folks? So uh, that is what we are dealing with in this modern uh, time, this modern day. You know, Pope John Paul, you know, after he died, uh, Billy Graham, he made a statement and, and referred to Pope John Paul II as the most influential voice in 100 years. So here's a statement. I uh, got this from CBN.com. It says, speaking on the April 2nd edition of CNN's Larry King live program, Dr. Billy Graham said that Pope John Paul II was the most influential voice for morality and peace in the world in the last 100 years. Larry King, yes, Dr. Graham, did he actually say to you once, we are brothers? Billy Graham responded, that's correct. He certainly did. He held my hand the first time that I met him about 1981. 
He'd just been Pope for two years when I saw him first because when he was elevated to the papacy, I was preaching in his cathedral in Krakow that very day. And we had thousands of people in the streets. And watching the television today of Krakow has brought back many memories. So if you look on your screen, you'll see an image of uh, Billy Graham meeting with the Pope. Don't forget the Pope, you know, met with him and told him we are brothers. This is the same Pope John Paul II, by the way, that referred to Bible-believing, born-again evangelical Christians in Brazil as rapacious wolves. Let me give you a quote here from um, the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. It says, in his opening address to the Fourth General Conference of Latin American Bishops, which was held in the Dominican Republic in 1992, the normally ecumenical Pope John Paul II condemned Pentecostal and other sects, S-E-C-T-S, as rapacious wolves who are devouring Latin American Catholics and causing division and discord in our communities. So, you know, you know what was happening, folks? People were preaching the gospel to the Roman Catholics, and they were getting saved. They were hearing the word of God probably for the first time for many of them. And, and, and the Pope realized what was happening. So, so look at this. Here's the Pope calling those people rapacious wolves. So much for Christian unity. Do you see, folks? We, we have a battle of light and darkness. It's truth versus error. And, and this is why I'm bringing this forth to you. I want you to be aware, folks, of what has been going on for many decades that it's just so widely accepted now. The leaven has leavened the lump, and it's just about wholly leavened, <laughs> totally leavened right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let me play you a clip uh, from uh, a, a video that I had done previously regarding Kenneth Copeland and, and what happened to Pope spoke um, by video to Kenneth Copeland's congregation. And... Um, this is part of what went down when the Pope spoke. So I'm going to play that clip for you. Here's what else the Pope said. He says, and this is a miracle. The miracle of unity has begun. He went on to quote a man uh, with uh, the name of Manzoni. And, and he said, that man said, I've never seen God begin a miracle without him finishing it well. And then he went on to say, he will complete this miracle of unity. Now listen to that. I've never seen God begin a miracle without him finishing it. Well, there's only one problem, Pope Francis. God never began this miracle of unity between a, a system that preaches a false gospel and a Christian who preaches the true gospel. There can never be unity like that. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Impossible. So uh, you see how people are seduced, folks? You see, it's the love trap. We're all one. We're all one. That, that's the devil's wine, folks. We're all one. Come together. We're all one. We're all one. Don't believe that lie, folks. And then the Pope uh, ended his little video uh, talk. He said, from brother to brother, I embrace you. Thank you. Listen to that. I'll say it again. From brother to brother, I embrace you. Thank you. And think about... Once again, Pope John Paul II grabbing Billy Graham. 
We are brothers. You see? We're not brothers. You're not brothers, folks. Uh, you can't, if you think you're a brother with, with the church of Rome, then, then, then I need to pray for you. You need to pray. You need to repent. This is some serious, unbelievable stuff. Actually, Okay, so you, you heard it, you know, here's the Pope calling for unity and, and, and telling them, everybody, think about this, the whole congregation is, is watching this. So, so now you have this uh, Pope getting on and, and, and he's able to now enter the church. Look at that, how easy it is for him and saying, we are brothers, we are brothers. And, and that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go take a look now at Franklin Graham. That's the son of uh, Billy Graham, obviously. He's in charge of that organization now. This is a, a quote uh, that he had made. Listen carefully. It says, Franklin Graham in con is continuing in his father's footsteps. He told the Indianapolis Star that his father's ecumenical alliance with the Catholic Church and all other denominations was one of the smartest things his father ever did. And that was from keeping it simple, safe, keeps Graham on high. Uh, Franklin Graham said, in the early years up in Boston, the Catholic Church got behind my father's crusade. That was a first. It took back many Protestants. They didn't know how to handle it. But it set the example. If Billy Graham is willing to work with everybody, then maybe we should too. That's the Indianapolis Star, June 3rd, 1999. Excerpts from wayoflife.org. So, you know, as I quote these uh, people, folks, keep in mind, they make no bones about it. I mean, they, they want this out there. Look, he's telling, look, my father had the right idea. That was one of the smartest things he ever did. Now, keep in mind, I speak to you as a former Roman Catholic. There's no question in my mind that the Roman Catholic Church preaches a counterfeit, soul-damning gospel. Totally different from the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved my soul. Let's take a look now at Louis Palau, sometimes referred to as the Latino Billy Graham. In fact, uh, by his own words, Palau said that he was mentored by Billy Graham, you know, in one interview with Christianity uh, Today, Louis Palau spoke very highly about uh, Jorge Bogoglio. That's the Pope's real name, because he knew him. You know, they're both from that area, Argentina down there in South America. So, you know, my red flag obviously went up in my uh, spirit when he, when he said that. I read the article. So let, let me uh, show you something that took place at a uh, Louis Palau crusade in Omaha, Nebraska, in 2007. You know what happened? The Palau Crusade workers, they sought out the Roman Catholic Church to become involved with this crusade or festival, whatever it's called. So the Palau event organizers even welcomed the idea of Catholic priests hearing confessions at that event and they were open to the possibility of having a Catholic tent set up to explain the Catholic faith. So this is an excerpt from that article by uh, Eric Raymond. It says, This weekend, an interesting article appeared in the Catholic Voice, a Catholic-based uh, Omaha newspaper that article outlined the admittedly strange partnership between the Omaha Catholic Diocese and the Louis Palau organizers. Archbishop Eldon Francis Curtis endorsed the event. This following a meeting between local priests who had spent time with leaders within Palau's organization. According 
to Catholic Voice, Father Ryan Lewis, Vice Chancellor and Ecumenical Officer for the Archdiocese, said local organizers approached the Archdiocese about including Catholics at the event, which has never been endorsed by a bishop until now. The festival organizers were open to Catholic input, he said. Father Ryan Lewis continues, they said they would do whatever they needed to do to formulate this festival in such a way that Catholics could participate. According to the Catholic Voice, as of now, festival planners have welcomed the idea of allowing local archdiocesan priests to hear confessions at the event, as well as the possibility of having a Catholic tent that would provide information on the Catholic faith. So, that, as I said, that was Mr. Eric Raymond who uh, wrote that. Now look at this. Palau's July uh, 2007 festival in Omaha, Nebraska was endorsed by Catholic Archbishop Eldon Curtis. Not only did the Catholic Archbishop address the crowd personally, but the Catholics were allowed to put up a tent at the entrance of the venue to distribute rosaries and Catholic material and priests greeted the people as they entered the crusade grounds. Each participant filled out a card indicating religious background and all the cards stating Catholic were given to the Catholic churches for follow-up. And that's from the Catholic Voice, June 8th, uh, 2007. So it's a little mind-blowing when you hear stuff like this, but you haven't heard it all. <laughs> you know, uh, here's something that was written by uh, a man by the name of John Malone. And let's see what he had to say. He says, uh, John Malone wrote the following at BibleStudy.net. He said, Peter Smagas is 58 years old and glad to have left the Roman Catholic Church. He left it 35 years ago. I read an article sent to me that was published on Omaha's daily newspaper, the Omaha World Herald, that describes Smagas' one-man protest at a Louis Palau Heartland Festival in Omaha. The event was said to have attracted 105,000 visitors, a record. I suppose hyperbole, being what it is, the crowd was likely half that size, but still large. Smagas passed out a track and his personal testimony, that along with his sign that read, Why I Left the Catholic Church, was his protest. He said for the most part he was well received. He was harassed by a Roman Catholic priest, but that fellow was made to stop. Most people gladly received his offer of his literature, but some Catholics cared to argue with him about John 6, perhaps the only scripture a Roman Catholic takes literally concerning eating the Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood. Organizers of the Palau event had Smagas moved off the event grounds. These same organizers arranged for a large Roman Catholic tent on the premises where Roman Catholic literature was freely passed out, rosaries handed out or sold, I do not know which, and Roman Catholic priests were hearing confessions throughout both days. The tent, with confessions being heard, was a requirement by the Roman Catholics locally in order to gain their support. Eldon Curtis, the Archbishop of the Roman Omaha Roman Catholic Archdiocese was invited to open or close the festival in prayer. So that was written by John Malone. So that's, uh, you know, this is what you're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's mind-blowing. Can you imagine this? Uh, you know, I, I was saved out of the Church of Rome. Can you imagine if I went to a crusade? 
You know, somebody said, oh, you heard of Louis Palau? Oh, yeah, he's a preacher. Oh, yeah, let's go. And you go there and, and you see a tent. And you see priests and you say, what's this? And a guy starts handing me rosary beads. <laughs> yeah, you, you see how it doesn't fit, folks? This is unbelievable stuff. But, but you know, folks, this is accepted, widely accepted. You know, people roll their eyes if you attempt to speak to them about such things. This is the time that we are living in. You know, there's a movement called the John 17 movement. I've spoken about this before. I'm going to play a clip from a short little video I did regarding this movement. So listen carefully. There's a movement called the John 17 movement. And uh, this movement, uh, basically, it justifies joining with uh, other denominations, including the Roman Catholic Church. So, you know, this movement was basically started by a man by uh, the name of Joe Tosini. He's a Pentecostal minister, and he believes the Lord spoke to him back in 2013 and uh, about seeking unity amongst uh, the Christians, and uh, including the Catholic Church. And he had a desire to meet with the Pope. And, uh, you know, he met with the Pope in uh, 2016. I think uh, on that day, uh, one of the days, he might have met at different times, for almost three hours. And um, the Pope even invited uh, the people that went over there with him to take selfies with him. So let me just say something here, folks. The Pope is no dummy. You know, stuff like this is all over the papers. So when you are taking pictures with the Pope, and, and now you're showing everybody, uh, Catholics and Protestants and so on and so forth, together, that's exactly what the Church of Rome wants. Up on the screen, you can see, you'll see Francis Chan. He's a well-known minister. He met with the Pope in uh, 2017. So, you know, what's, what's happening here, folks? This unity that I've been speaking about uh, basically, since I'm saved, that's that's what you that, that we're all one. You see that we're all we may have our differences, but we're all Christians. We're all, we're all we all believe in the same Jesus. But that's not true. That's not true. So uh, I know that because the, the the real Jesus saved my soul, uh, and by the Spirit of God, told me to leave the Roman Catholic Church. That that, that they preach the counterfeit gospel. So stuff like this, uh, like this. Um, this John 17 movement, it's basically really nothing new. Well, as I said, you know, there's really nothing new. But I just wanted you to see who was involved. Another person that we can uh, take a look at is Mr. James Robeson. You know him. He has a television show. You know, he happened to do a uh, show back in 2011. And on that particular program, he had a Roman Catholic priest on as his guest. It was a a priest by the name of Father Jonathan Morris. He's no longer a priest, by the way. I think he wanted to get married, so he left the priesthood. So, But as far as I know, he's still a Roman Catholic, still pushing uh, Roman Catholic doctrines, as far as I know. So, uh, But at the time, in 2011, he was on uh, the program with Mr. James Robeson uh, and his wife. And I listened carefully as uh, Mr. Uh, Robeson spoke about a time that he spoke to Billy Graham. See, uh, Mr. Robeson used to speak out against the Roman Catholic Church, and he made a phone call to uh, Billy Graham, and, you know, speaking, you know, why are you joining hands with Rome? And um, long story short, Billy Graham was talking to him, you know, stuff like, do you, do you really get to know the Catholics, and so on, and so on. Uh, so uh, the next thing you know, Mr. Robeson 
is working with the Roman Catholics. So on this particular uh, program, he's talking to this priest, and he's talking about, you know, the time he says, that he says, oh, I, I chewed out Billy Graham, and he, he puts his hands up, and he says, oh, God, forgive me, forgive me. So look, listen to this. I want you to see what took place. He took the counsel of a man who was seduced by Rome. Graham was already seduced by Rome. He listened to the words of the man instead of sticking with the scriptures, instead of sticking with the word of God. The truth sets you free, ladies and gentlemen. That's what set me free. So now, now he's working with the Church of Rome. It, it, it was it was pitiful to watch. I'll tell you that. It, it, as a former Roman Catholic, it, you know, I look at stuff like this. I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable stuff. Ephesians five and eleven. It says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So that's what should have taken place. And you know, I'm going to put an image on the screen. There. It is a an image of Mr. Robeson now. He went over to Rome and some other people. Uh, and there he is high-fiving the Pope. <laughs> and uh, another person that was over there, John Arnott and his wife, he was the one that was involved with the uh, that Toronto uh, revival, is what they call it, at uh, Toronto Airport or something like that. So, you know, people go over there. Kenneth Copeland was over there. They're all having dinner together. Everybody's swinging together. <laughs> you know, we're brothers. No, 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 ma'am. No, sir. You know, true unity can only be in the Holy Ghost. There is a true unity, but it's for those who have been truly born again of the Holy Spirit, God's way. And when I was born again of the Spirit, I came out of that system quickly. Because the Holy Spirit of truth is going to guide you and show you the errors of their teachings, which are many. Oh, yes. So, you know, what's taking place, described by the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy 4 and 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, or doctrines of demons, whichever way you prefer. Another one, Pat Robinson, you know him from the 700 Club. I think he recently stepped down. Um, his wife recently died. You're sorry to hear about that. But um, Mr. Robinson works with Rome regularly for decades. So, yes, he did. In fact, if you take a look at the uh, university, Regent University, that's the uh, college that is aligned with uh, Mr. Robinson, the 700 Club. You know, they have the sacrifice of the Roman Catholic Mass offered up regularly in that college, in that university. Oh, yes, they do. It used to be every Tuesday, as far as I know. Nothing has changed. So, uh, obviously, they work hand-in-hand -hand with the Church of Rome. He has no problem with that. You know, when John Paul II died, uh, this is what Pat Robertson had to say. This is from CBN.com. April 2nd, 2005, he said, I am deeply grieved as a great man passes from this world to his much-deserved eternal reward. John Paul II has been the most beloved religious leader of our age, far surpassing in popular admiration a leader of any faith. I pray for the cardinals of the Catholic Church that they might have God-given wisdom in selecting the successor to this great man. Their task will not be easy. But with God, all things are possible. 
Now, if I pray that God gives God-given wisdom to Rome, they're going to leave that place, folks. They're not going to be picking another pope. You see that? God-given wisdom, the truth is going to set them free. So, so once again, this is where we are in the modern day. Now, I want you to contrast what Mr. Uh, Pat Robertson said with what took place with a man by the name of Marty Minto, okay? Also back during the time of uh, the death of the Pope. So it says here, this is an excerpt from an article from Charisma Now. It says, Marty Minto, 39, a senior pastor of the 100-member Turning Point Community Church in Newcastle, was fired earlier this month after three years as a host on Word FM, that's W-O-R-D, FM in Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported, Minto said he was told he was alienating listeners. After the April 2nd death and funeral of the Pope, Minto discussed with callers John Paul II's deep devotion to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Catholic beliefs such as purgatory. I made it clear that the discussion was not an attack on the character of the Pope, but rather a look at the teachings, not only of John Paul II, but of the Catholic Church. Minto said that he responded to the question about whether the Pope would go to heaven with the belief held by many evangelicals that a person must be a born-again believer. So that's from Charisma Now, April 21, 2005. Okay, now, uh, look at that, folks. So do you see the contrast between what Mr. Pat Robinson did? By the way, you know, we're talking about a multi-million dollar ministry, folks. The money comes in. Oh, yes, it does. Now, here's this humble pastor, Marty Minto, just trying to do the right thing. He has a radio program. He, obviously, he's trying to reach people so that they might be born again, that they might be saved. And now, obviously, he took a stand for the truth. This is heavy-duty stuff here, folks. He's standing for the truth, and the man was fired. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. You see, the sword of the word, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to divide. And he, so here he is told that he's alienating listeners. That's heavy, folks. You see, this is where we are today. It's been going on for decades. And, you know, there's just, it's, it's like a demonic dance. It's like, a, a, I always have this mental picture of a square dance with, with Roman Catholic priests and, 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 and Christian pastors just doing a little do-si-do -si -do together. This is what's going on, folks. It is from the pit of hell. That's why I'm doing this video, folks. Speaking the warning once again. So, you know, I thank God for people like Marty Minto that took a stand. You see? And he suffered for it. It's called persecution. You see? So when, when light comes against darkness, there's going to be confrontation. It's going to be a problem. You see? You know, you can, you can be a pastor in a church and just tell the people, come on, let's give Jesus a hand. Everybody loves Jesus. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand. Anybody could do that, folks. And it goes on a lot in modern-day churches. You see? So when you try to warn people, it's not well-received. There's a man by the name of Larry Thomas. He's not alive anymore. You know, I had a couple of videos back in the day. Uh, he, he did teachings on discernment. He wrote a book called uh, The Watchman. So he, he, he spoke about discernment a lot. And he was part of a ministry in, uh, that were, where there uh, were other 
uh, ministers and what, what, what they would do, they would meet every day and they would take turns, you know, leading uh, the meeting, you know, giving a word and, and, and preaching, I guess, a short message. You know, I guess they would pray together, which is a good thing, by the way. So one day, uh, what Larry did, he took his appointment book. I think it was a leather appointment book that he brought with him. And it was, it was his time to preach. And in his appointment book, he had little sayings on the top. You know, those little uh, inspirational sayings, you know. Uh, but, but it wasn't the scriptures. So what he did, he started preaching to them. And he started quoting those little sayings that were at the top of each page. You know, the calendar there. And uh, he, what he said, he, he threw in a couple of these and thou's and he wanted to make it sound really spiritual you know so as he's preaching and they said revival almost broke out he says people say preach it larry amen my brother you go with that you go my brother preach the word of god you know they, that went on for a few minutes until he stopped and, and told them what he was doing he, he let them let them know the charade what, what he was up to and he was teaching on the topic of discernment the point he was obviously making is that here i am preaching to you I'm, I'm not even preaching the word of god but i'm doing it in such a way that you're 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 receiving it you see so he was trying to give give them a teaching on discernment that's what he was doing ladies and gentlemen i, I like that story by the way uh, that he told another person that's met with the pope mr joel osteen he met back in uh, June 2014. He attended a Catholic Mass. There were over 100,000 deceived people that attended that Mass. Paul Crouch, another one, TBN, they dance with Rome. They've been dancing with Rome for a very long time. You know, uh, a while ago I did a video. They, they were selling products at the TBN store, folks. They were selling rosary beads, you name it, books on how to pray the rosary, uh, books on the catholic mass books about the popes you want it it was right there i couldn't believe it you know lately you know if you go there they don't have a store anymore you cannot find anything so i don't know what happened ladies and gentlemen but trust me they were selling roman catholic stuff i know they have priests regularly on that show also so it's called uh, apostasy it's compromise ladies and gentlemen they went over to meet the pope also uh, over to the uh, Rome and the whole nine yards. Another one, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard of a Catherine Coleman. This was before I got saved, so um, I wasn't aware of this until obviously years later uh, when she was not even alive anymore. But, um, you know, during the heyday of the uh, Catholic charismatic movement, many people were they were swept away by stuff like this, folks. It, it, this unity, this, this joint meeting of Christians and Catholics together. Now, Jamie Buckingham uh, wrote an autobiography called The Daughter of Destiny. And in that book, Kuhlman had a special love for doctors and wanted them either on the stage or on the front rows of the auditorium. The same was true of priests and nuns, especially if they were in uniform. Nothing thrilled Catherine more than to have 30 or 40 Catholic clergymen, especially if they wore clerical collars, or better yet, cassocks, sitting behind her while she ministered. Somehow it seemed to lend authenticity to what she was doing and help create the proper climate of a trust and understanding which was so necessary for a miracle service. So, um... 
you know, th that's what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. Let me give you a quote now from a, uh, a book. It's called All Roads Lead to Rome, The Ecumenical Movement by Michael de Semlian. Okay? He's talking about a, a, a priest by the name of Tom Forrest. Now, I remember that name because when I was in the Roman Catholic Charismatic Movement for a, a bit, two or three years, I forget what it was. You know, I used to go to Roman Catholic healing masses and, and, the, and the whole nine yards, which I spoke about earlier in this documentary. And, uh, this is a quote regarding this man, Tom Forrest. Tom Forrest, a key figure in charge of Rome's decade of evangelization program, and at the head of the whole Catholic Charismatic Renewal Organization, certainly puts the doctrines of Rome to the fore. At a training session for Roman Catholics at Indianapolis 90, he spoke with enthusiasm and deep conviction about his renewed faith. In view of his importance to the ecumenical movement of the 1990s, he is quoted here at some length. Here's what he said, My job, my role, our role in evangelization it's not just to make Christians. Our job is to make people as richly and fully Christian as we can make them by bringing them into the Catholic Church. No, you don't just invite someone to be Christian. You invite them to become Catholics. You invite them to come with you as a new parishioner of your Catholic Church. We don't just have the Eucharist as a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. On our altars, we have the body of Christ. We drink the blood of Christ. Jesus is alive on our altars as offering and as a banquet of love. We become one with Christ in the Eucharist, the very body of Christ. As Catholics, we have Mary and that mom of ours, queen of paradise, is praying for us till she sees us in glory. Wow. So, you can see the way the Catholic uh, charismatic movement works, folks. You know, just by what that man said, he's not alive anymore, uh, uh, Mr. Tom Forrest. He, he said, we don't just have the Eucharist as a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. On our altars, we have the body of Christ. We drink the blood of Christ. So there you, there you have the Catholic Eucharist, folks. You see that? This is the false gospel of Rome. So this is what he's saying. Don't make him just bring, make him a Catholic. So this is what the, uh, the reformers fought against, and this is why they were bludgeoned to death, killed, burnt at the stake, because they stood against just what this man, uh, Tom Forrest, a big influence in Roman Catholic charismatic movement, look what he said there. So he's standing for the very same thing that the reformers stood against. Do you see that? So I've said it before, the, the Roman Catholic charismatic movement, folks, is Roman Catholicism on steroids. Don't be fooled into this singing together. I was in the movement. I know what it's about. I've spoken to people within a charismatic prayer group that we came out of. Uh, we, we told them, no, we can't do this thing with Mary. In fact, my praying to Mary increased when I was in the charismatic movement. I spoke about that earlier. It, it increased. So, so it's a deception, folks. People don't want to hear it, though. But I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, in fact, you know, I started attending a, a non-denominational church after I was saved, me and my wife, Kathy. And we, we met a Christian woman. Uh, 
and we told her our testimony, how we were delivered out from the cult of Roman Catholicism, and she listened carefully, very nice lady. And it's kind of funny, about a year later, we met the same lady in, uh, in like the same exact spot, and we started talking to her again, and you know, hey, good to see you, how you doing? And then she, she knew our background, so she told me, she said, you know, I, I just joined a, um, a Catholic charismatic prayer group. I'm praying with them now. And I looked at her, and I, and, I, and I said, you know, be careful, sister. Before you know it, they're going to have you praying a rosary. She looked at me, and she says, I feel sick. They already have me praying the rosary. Folks, I know a divine appointment when, when I have it. You know, this is what I am talking about, folks. This is reality. This goes on on a regular basis. And, and you won't hear about things like this in a the pulpit. They don't go near it. That's why we are where we are today. Let's talk a little about the counterfeit Mary of Rome. So a lot of counterfeits. Uh, you know, we have the counterfeit Christ, the counterfeit uh, Jesus Christ of Rome in that Eucharist. We have the counterfeit new birth, okay, how you become born again. And now we have the counterfeit Mary. So uh, Pope John Paul II, uh, he was addicted to Mary. In fact, on the inside of his papal garments, he had sewed totus tua sum Maria. What does that mean? Mary, I am totally yours. Now think about that. If Pope John Paul II belong totally to Mary. Where does the gospel of Jesus Christ come in? Think about that. Mary, Mary, Mary. They attempted to kill this man. He survived that attack and gave all credit to Mary. Think about that. So uh, Pope Francis, he's another one addicted to Mary. When he goes on a, a trip to different countries, he prays before an image of Mary, asking her for protection. When he returns, he goes to that same image and thanks her for protecting him. So the counterfeit Holy Father has seduced millions. Oh, yes. And he consecrated the whole world recently to Mary. And wherever he goes, he's always consecrating uh, countries to Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. This is from an article from John L. Allen. This is what he said in his homily on Thursday. Francis said that Jesus cannot be understood without his mother. At one point, the Pope also introduced an impromptu Marian devotion, inviting the assembly in St. Peter's Basilica to rise, face the statue of Mary, and repeat three times, Mary, Mother of God. The Pope recalled that at the 5th century Council of Ephesus, a crowd actually shouted that phrase at the gathered bishops while waving clubs at them, threatening violence if they didn't formally proclaim Mary as the Mother of God. This time, Francis jokingly invited people to make the chant without clubs. He led the crowd in St. Peter's Square in the same chant during his Angelus address. Can you imagine this? So here's the Pope with, with all these thousands of deceived Catholics. He's telling them, look at that statue and repeat after me. Mary, Mary, 
the mother of God. Mary, mother of God. Mary, mother of God. Only one problem, folks. God does not have a mother. Folks, God doesn't have a mother. That would make Mary deity. Do you see this, folks? Do you see this, folks? This is unbelievable stuff that is going on, folks. And you won't hear a peep from the pulpits of America. Oh, yes, you know, uh, what the Pope needs to do is read Acts 19, verses 23 to 28. And you can read about at the time when all the people uh, were, were crying out to Diana, you know, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And it, that passage dealt with Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines. So, you know, what happened, they, they were preaching against this. And Paul was speaking against this, and now the people uh, were upset. So he got these people making money, and they knew that their craft was in danger. And um, started talking about the great goddess Diana. So this is what it is, folks. Think about the statues of Mary. All, all the idolatry. Think about the millions, billions of dollars that are made over the centuries with all these idols. It's demonic, folks, from the pit of hell. Here's another statement made by the present pope. Francis, this was in uh, May of uh, 2015, it says, Visiting Naples in March, Pope Francis told priests, nuns, and seminarians that one way to make sure Jesus is the center of their lives is to ask his mother to take you to him. A priest, a brother, a nun, who does not love Mary, who does not pray to her, I would even say one who does not recite the rosary, well, if you don't love the mother... The mother will not give you the son. Now, folks, have you ever heard anything like that before? The mother won't give you the son. If you don't pray to Mary, she's not going to give you the son. The Bible tells me God gave the son. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, so we, we've covered a lot of ground here. You've seen the light, you've seen the darkness, folks. The darkness of Roman Catholicism and how they have infiltrated the pulpits throughout the world. Rick Warren was another one who referred to Pope Francis as our Pope. Can you imagine this? Here's the man, the purpose-driven life, known all over the world, calls Pope Francis our Pope. Think of the martyrs, folks. Think of what you heard in part two. The martyrs burnt at the stake for taking a stand for truth. Here's a man calling Pope Francis our Pope. Remember Ulf Ekman? Yes, uh, here's a, a thing from uh, Charisma magazine. This man uh, was the head of a church uh, over there in Sweden and uh, for a long time. And they used to speak out against the teachings of Roman Catholicism. It says here in this article, during his Sunday morning service, Ulf Ekman announced that he and his wife, Birgitta, are converting to Roman Catholicism. Ekman is the founder of Word of Life, a megachurch in Uppsala, Sweden. News reports and blogs coming out of the nation reveal congregation was partially stunned after hearing what was packaged as a special announcement. The theme was, follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And last but not least, we have come in contact with representatives from millions of charismatic Catholics, and we have seen their living faith. So that's something uh, that Ulf uh, Ekman uh, said. You know, they, uh, he, he was affected by the Catholic charismatic 
movement. Can you imagine going to church one day and your pastor tells you, uh, me and my wife were converted to Catholicism? That's scary stuff.